Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Will you be rushing to grab a bargain on Black Friday? The Back to 60 campaign aims to reduce the state pension age for women born in the 1950s. Moneybox presenter joins me to assess its chances. And investment trusts. Could small companies bring investors beautiful returns. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast about personal finance and investing. I'm Claire Barrett, FT Money Editor, bringing you all of this week's money news. Black Friday discount sales are held the day after Thanksgiving in the States to tempt shoppers out after the holidays. But we can blame the US retailing giant Amazon for importing the phenomenon to our stores. Over the past five years, the growing allure of British Black Friday has changed the shape of pre-Christmas spending, and some would argue dragged the finances of struggling retail groups further into the red. Worse, some are now claiming the discounted bargains are on offer at anything but. Jonathan Ely, the FT's retail correspondent, who many listeners will remember as the former money editor, joins me in the studio now. Welcome, Jonathan. Hello again. So why has Black Friday become such a big thing in Britain? Because it's basically a marketing event designed to drive traffic and footfall. So traditionally, shops held sales to get rid of surplus stock or to get rid of end of season stock. So if you think about fashion retailers, they have a sale in January to get rid of all the autumn winter clobber in time for spring and summer. But Black Friday and all its other sort of clones around the world, Singles Day, Amazon Prime Day, Cyber Monday, Cyber Monday and so on, are all basically aimed at uh, offering discounts on a narrow range of products to get people in the door in the hope that they then spend money uh, on something else or other things that they weren't intending to buy or perhaps they just wander in without anything particular in mind and just end up spending money. And you write many stories in the FT about the failing health of the high street in general, lots of casualties this year, Um, but I'd imagine Black Friday is about as welcome as the Black Death for some retailers. It is. They Increasingly, privately, they will say to you, God, why are we doing this? And in fact, increasing numbers of them aren't doing it now. So Marks and Spencers, for instance, is not really participating in Black Friday um, these days. The reason they keep doing it basically is because everybody else does it, but it is a disaster for their finances. All that happens is it pulls spending forward from December uh, when shops should be selling stuff for Christmas at full price mm. and making, you know, most retailers make most of their profits in the six weeks around Christmas. And, and you'd think they would have learned because this has already happened once. The, the New Year sales used to start in the new year and then they started starting on the 27th or the 28th and now they all start up sort of basically midnight on Boxing Day. Or worse. Or worse, on Christmas, Christmas Day, Day itself. <laughs> yes, so instead of watching this Queen's speech, you, you're sort of browsing Amazon for bargains. And, and that, that achieves the same result. It's, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a very 
poor deal for retailers and a lot of them are, are going about it now in a completely different way um, to the way they used to do it in in order to look like they're still doing black friday but in fact by mitigating the effects on their margins so if i were to ask you if you were planning to do any bargain hunting on friday i suspect the answer would be no well not quite i will probably Ooh. have a snoop around so in in clothing, I think you can actually get. There are some good deals on there, or that you know there are deals available for for shops that you're interested in. So, for instance, Superdry is offering twenty percent off everything in store. That seems like a reasonable deal to me if you like their stuff. Um, and I have already bought a Christmas present. Well, yeah. Uh, well, this is on... the thing. So I'm instantly thinking my stepson's quite like that kind of thing. But can I successfully buy an item, get the twenty percent off, hide it, and also? make sure that they like it because by Mm. the time Christmas has been and gone it might be too late to return it. That's right. Uh, Returns, by the way, because because, um, Black Friday is overwhelmingly an online event now. So 75% of the money that's spent around, you know, in the Black Friday week is spent online now. Uh, The cost of returns, by the way, is astronomical for retailers, especially because sort of the the youth of today, you know, they'll buy six tops on Boohoo and they'll send five of them back. And there's an enormous cost to the company of that. But that's an aside. So where else might you be doing some shopping? Right. Um, so I'll have a look around the usual clothing outlets. I think where you've got to be really careful is consumer electronics. Mm. And, uh, and this is where Black Friday has changed a lot since uh, those sort of famous scenes of people fighting over TVs in Asda for, <laughs> you know, four or five years ago. So I've got a couple of deals here that, that are sort of fairly typical of the things I'm talking about. So PC World. Um, is offering a Hewlett-Packard Stream computer. This is like a basic um, sort of computer sort of thing you might give to a, a teenager. Or a teenager, yeah. yeah, as their first laptop. And they've got this thing at £199, which is advertised as a saving of £130. So you think, oh, great, that's a, that's a hefty chunk off. I'll have that. And then there's in tiny print, you see that the higher price was charged from the 9th of October to the 15th of November, a period of 36 days. Now, 200 quid is a fair price, for a computer of this specification. But if you'd paid £329 for this, you want your head examining. I mean, that's not a real price. It's it's a made-up price to justify a big discount. And here's another one. So EE, the mobile phone network, have um, they've got lots of Black Friday deals. And one of the ones they're trumpeting is an Apple iPhone 6S, and they're saying save £150. The first point to make about that is the iPhone 6S is three years old now, so it's fairly ancient mm. in iPhones. In fact, I've only just jettisoned my own one. <laughs> and they're, they're saying, well, there's no upfront cost, £29 a month for 24 months. So if you do that bit of maths, that's £696. You can buy the handset everywhere for £299 on its own. So what that means is you're paying 397 for the calls package over 24 months, mm. which works out at £16.50 a month, for which you get... Unlimited minutes, unlimited text, and one gigabyte of data. Well, one Is gigabyte that a is not very much, no. No, it's not. Um, you can get a PlusNet SIM-only deal for £6 a month, so £10 a month less. So is that a good deal? No, it's a rubbish deal on Friday or any other day. Well, fantastic stuff there. Thank you very much there to Jonathan Neely, the retail correspondent and super shopper at the FT. I won't be buying anything this Black Friday unless I run it past him first. The debate over whether women born in the 1950s were adequately warned about the acceleration in the female state pension age has stepped up a gear. The campaign, with the social media hashtag Back to 60, demands that the state pension age returns to 60 for 1950s born women, who are arguing that they spent most of their working lives believing that they would indeed receive the state pension at this age. 
Paul Lewis, the freelance journalist and BBC Moneybox presenter, has been following the campaign and joins me now on the line to discuss its chances. Welcome, Paul. Hello, Claire. So, do you think there's any hope of changes to the state pension age being reversed to 60 for this group? Well, it pains me to say it, but no, I think there's no hope at all. The Department for Work and Pensions has estimated it would cost £77 billion, which is almost as much as the state pension costs each year. So that kind of money is not going to be spent by any government, however much the women say, but it's our pension, we paid for it. So it it may be a great injustice, it certainly seems to be a great injustice, but it's not going to go back to 60, no. Well, certainly you do have sympathy for the financial hardship that the changes have caused some women. I I do, absolutely. I mean, it's quite clear from uh, both Twitter and emails and other articles and talking to some of the women that many of them never realised that their state pension age had changed. Now, we can argue about why they didn't realise and many people think, oh, well, I knew they should have known it was in the papers and so on, which, of course, it was. But for some reason, these women who were in their 30s, early 40s, at the time the publicity was was out there, didn't internalise the idea that it would be them, they would actually have to have another five years of working life. And they carried on planning as if they didn't have to have another five years of working life. And that does cause great hardship because, first of all, women in their well, women in their 50s, never mind their 60s, do find it hard to get work. There is discrimination against them on grounds of age, absolutely no doubt about that. Yeah, I and agree. If, if they'd expected to leave work and get their pension, then if they maybe they have left work, uh, many of them have you know been made redundant or whatever. Finding another job is difficult, and then they're subject to all those difficult rules of working age people about looking for work not just once or twice a week, but every single day and proving you're looking for work, all to get what is a very small benefit of for in many cases just 73 pounds a week so i do i am absolutely sure there's great hardship being caused by it and i have great sympathy for the people affected in that way so is there another way that this problem could be tackled by the government well i think it could have been tackled by the government in a number of ways they could for example have said that for a transitional period women over the age of 60 wouldn't have to fulfil all those onerous looking-for-work conditions. And possibly they could have had a higher benefit, more like uh, what's called pension credit, which is a means-tested benefit for people over pension age. So those things could have been done, or you could have found a way to have some kind of compromise or transitional deal. I really think it's too late for that now, certainly for many of them. Frank Field, the MP whose select committee has been looking into this, has suggested that maybe the women could choose to have their pension earlier than 65 or so, but they could have it at a lower rate. Now, the women have rejected that idea because that lower rate would last the rest of their lives. So I think things could have been done. The problem now is that the pressure to do anything is sort of inevitably going off the boil. A third of these 50s women have already reached pension age, so anything you did for them would be retrospective, not popular, not very likely. And as time passes, more and more of them will have reached pension age. So the pressure on ministers to do anything is really diminishing year by year, and by 2025 it will have vanished. So 
all ministers have to do is sit tight and do nothing. And I'm afraid to say I think that's what they're going to do. Well, certainly with the way the Brexit talks are going, it looks like they might not have many other options. Well, thanks very much there to Paul Lewis. You can read his column, Back to 60 and Unanswered Pension Questions, on the FT Money website now. Go to ft.com slash money. And if you'd like to tell us what you think about this story in the Back to 60 campaign, send us an email, money at ft.com. Investment trusts have always been a popular choice with readers of FT Money as they offer strong dividend yields, liquidity and seemingly endless choice, whatever your investment style, desired sector or geographic exposure there's a trust out there for you. Last week, FT Money reporter Kate Bearley explored the latest trends and she joins me now in the studio. Welcome, Kate. Hiya. So, small is beautiful. Um, Well, it certainly has seemed to be a bit of a theme this year. So we've had the launch of two uh, fairly high-profile small and mid-cap trusts. Now, one of those is from Terry Smith. He's obviously quite a renowned investor, but normally for uh, large caps. He launched Smithson on October 17th, and that became the most popular ever investment trust launch so beating Woodford before him, raising over $800 Now, that's a global equity trust focused on small caps, but arguably not that small. So these are companies ranging from $500 to $15 average size of $7 in there. And it's going to invest in the kind of things that he buys in Fundsmith, but at a smaller scale, really. So another fairly well-known investor, Mark Mobius, he launched his trust too, the Mobius Investment Trust, and that's an emerging markets uh, fund. So that will be looking for uh, the kinds of things that they used to buy at Templeton, his former former fund, but in this new trust. Mm. And there's a lot of volatility on stock markets at the moment, especially the big tech stocks, which have been the big growth story for much of the past decade. So could small companies perhaps have better growth prospects? Well, the theory uh, behind small cap investing is that smaller companies do tend to, over the very long term, grow faster or, or grow to a greater extent than large cap, larger companies. And that has been actually proved in almost every major market in the world. So if you hold them for long enough, you know, you will see better kind of share price appreciation, better total returns. A good example of that is European small caps, which have delivered almost three times the return of uh, mainstream or European large caps over 10 years. Uh, Equally, if this tech rally does come to an end, um, could be time for a new type of company to take over and could be a good time to invest in small caps. But this is an undeniably volatile ride as well. Well, yes, and with the economy appearing to take a turn for the worse. Yeah. Smaller companies may not have the defences that um, that bigger ones have. So exactly. there's light and shade in all of this. But finally, are there any particular regions which look to be good bets for smaller company investors at the moment? Well, as you say, one issue to bear in mind here is that uh, we're not quite sure where we are in this market cycle and uh, how long things will keep kind of heading upwards or when we might get a big crash or some volatility. And when that does come, smaller companies will be hit quite hard. They tend to be affected um, more sharply than large caps. So there are areas of the world which are currently on quite big discounts. One of those is Europe. Now, that's partly because people are worried about the outlook for Europe. But it does also mean that it's quite a good value area to invest in small cap, particularly as some of the companies there are kind of household names in the small and mid cap market, but looking a lot cheaper than the large cap counterparts. But analysts also say that if you want to kind of dip a toe into 
small cap investing global could be quite a good idea because then you know you're not kind of restricting yourself to one part of the world you can pick and choose or the manager can pick and choose from from everywhere so that could be quite a good way to kind of get started and then another area on a big discount that you mentioned in your piece is of course dear old blighty yeah yes uk small caps are looking incredibly uh, unloved at the moment as is much of the uk market in fact i mean that's in large part because you know, investors are worried about the outlook for small cap and domestic facing stocks as we're kind of uh, enduring Brexit. But if you are kind of a long term investor, there could be some value there if you buy and hold. Yeah, well, we keep a firm eye on what's happening in Westminster over the next few weeks, a theme that we'll be coming back to in FT Money very soon. Well, thanks very much there to Kate Bearley. You can read more about her articles on investment trusts on our website, ft.com slash money, where you can also find some pieces that we've done about Black Friday. In the meantime, that's it for The Money Show this week. If you'd like to get in touch with our team of experts, you can email us, money at ft.com, or follow us on Twitter for news alerts at ftmoney, and we'll be back at the usual time next week. Goodbye. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.